Welcome to Gigami, the podcast for up-and-coming musicians who are serious about turning their talent into a career. I'm Dave Holly. I've toiled in the trenches of the music industry, man and boy, for more than 30 years. Each week I talk to an artist or exec about their experience of how the industry really works and what you can do to give yourself the best chance of breaking into it, build a good life and make a good living while creating the fantastic music you were put on earth to create. If you have any questions or just want to get in touch with me, go to gigami.co. That is G-I-G-O-M-I dot C-O. I'll always reply. Until then, on with the show. Today's guest is Nick Hawkes. Nick knows an awful lot about the industry from many different points of view. He's a creative. He had chart hits as an artist and as a writer. He's an A&R, most famously signing The Prodigy. He's run businesses, he founded Positive and took it to great success. He's a manager, he's a lecturer, he's a DJ, he's a radio presenter, and he's got some great advice for people coming into the industry. Okay, welcome to Gigami. I'm Dave Holly. Uh, my guest today is Nick Hawkes. Um, how are you, Nick? I'm doing all right, thank you, uh, David. All, all things, with the, the caveat bracketed, all things considered, you know, um, it, it, I'm doing it. I'm doing okay. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. And I'm, I'm pleasure to be uh, chatting to you today. Actually. Yeah. Thanks for your time. Mm, um, welcome. Could we start, um, as we tend to start these chats, um, with a little bit of talk about how you got into the music industry? How, how have you ended up doing what you do? Wow. Well, it's a. It's been a long journey. So I was a fan of music uh, first and foremost. Um, way before I considered that it might be a, an area of work and industry to take part in, I was just a music fan. Um, and um, then I became a fan uh, of dance music culture. Uh, I remember going to see um, the mobile disco that played in our school um, common room doing school discos and me and my best mate stood by the side of the turntables and, and watched these guys DJing and tried to figure out what exactly are they doing. It was it was a bit confusing just trying to figure that out um, but eventually we, we sussed out how they were queuing up records and all the rest of it. The one thing that was a bit confusing was they had like a telephone handset thing that they were using as a headphone. So when they were queuing up records, they were listening to a, a yeah a telephone through a telephone handset, uh, and we were like, "What are they doing? Are they calling? So like the is there a guy out the back in a in a van or something, and they're calling him? Hey, we need some more." police or madness records or something like that but no they were just queuing up the records and we we were fascinated by all of this um and then myself and my buddy decided to set up our own mobile disco which we did in very rudimentary fashion with a, a stack uh, a kind of vertical stack hi-fi from his house and a flat uh, hi-fi from mine and uh so two hi-fi systems uh, that means four speakers and no mixer and then we'd run these parties using the two home hi-fis where I'd be in charge of the rotary uh, volume on one and Andy would be in control of the sort of slide fader volume on the other. And it would just be like, right, fade it down. Now. No, no, you start yours now. No, fade it now. Now, fade it a bit more. And we'd just kind of like fudge our way through sort of running, a, a, you know, mobile a mobile di disco, if you could call it that, with that, with that very 
basic kind of um, tech um, to support us. But this was how we learnt. You know, we just got, we rolled our sleeves up and just got stuck in the same way that if you want to be in a band, you you probably don't have a rehearsal room and, and a, you know, and a mixing desk and all of it. No, you just do whatever you can do, don't you, in the kids, you know, in the, in the friend's bedroom and you get your guitar in and somebody brings the drums around or whatever it might be and you just give it a go and and really it was it was that uh, start point and then I um, I started doing things like a bit of volunteering work so I volunteered for hospital radio in in Bristol um, where there is um, for those unfamiliar hospital radio is um, a system where uh, music and dedications and stuff are, are broadcast um, to people who are just hospital residents in in that area so it's like the bristol royal infirmary and helped out there um so that's a, a radio station but on a very very small scale and and i made some mistakes so um i used to do the news and i'd help out with the shows and, and one time they said okay you know you're a decent kid do you want to host a show and i thought oh yeah great um so uh, i didn't really think about it and um uh made the schoolboy error of really just playing my favourite records, but the trouble was my favourite records at that time were rap records from America and early house records and I think it gave the station manager a heart attack when he realised some of the stuff that I was um, playing, uh, so I was pretty much yanked off air, oh no no Nick, you know, and we're broadcasting to predominantly people who are, you know, um, you know, a, a very broad uh, demographic of ages. So, um, so what you're doing isn't isn't right. Uh, so it was a schoolboy error, but I, it was fair enough because I actually was a schoolboy at the time. Um, and and you know, it was good though. And I I got involved and um, I started writing to record labels saying, hey, I've run a mobile disco and I do the hospital radio thing. You know, might I be able to get some promo records or. Uh, you know, even if you've got an artist who's coming through Bristol, maybe I can review the gig. Just very chancing my arm, if you like, by making those approaches and people would send me some records or I got sent a few concert tickets in actual fact to go and review things. Um, so I thought, wow, OK, you, I can get some free records and I can get into gigs for free by knocking on some doors this is good and that was a an interesting early realization so about 15 16 17 years old and then running the the, the mobile disco thing continued we got some proper decks and some proper flashing lights you know the you know the rope tube things david that where the light goes through a, a rope tube you remember those oh yes yeah 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 so we bought some of them and you know the the classic sort of traffic um traffic light type thing um and um that was, that yes, was a light show was it that was our light show it's all very basic and but we we loved it and and enjoyed it and so yeah that that was all setting me on track um and then i uh did i worked abroad um in the summers between my leaving sixth form and uni and also through the summer vacations when i was at uni i chose to move to london i wanted to be at uni in in london very much because i wanted to be where the action was where there were the, the record labels and the clubs and all of this so i moved from portishead just outside bristol to to london to go to uni and and i just kept on engaging where i could tried to get involved helping out doing things i um 
went to the recording of a TV show that was uh, hosted by a Radio 1 presenter. And at the end of the, the TV show, I just there were a few people sort of chatting to the to the to the Radio One DJ a guy called Peter Powell actually and uh, and I waited at the end and I said I really enjoyed this I suppose there's no chance of this but I'm just going to ask I'm a uni student do you ever need anybody to help out at Radio One on anything I'm sure you don't but I'm just asking just in case you do and he said um, well um, hmm I mean maybe he said here's the phone number for my producer give him a call and uh, and tell him that I, I suggested you call. So I call up the producer and we end up talking about a thing called the Pop Panel, which was a show, part of his show on a Sunday morning on Radio 1 that had so-called kids off the street reviewing new records. And uh, the producer said, OK, you can come down and you can try out to be on this this Pop Panel thing. So I turned up at Radio 1 and they we played through some new records and I said, oh, I like this one for this reason, like that one for that reason. And uh, then they were like, yeah, you're, you're in. You're a, a member of the, the Pop Panel. Um, um, and but they, these weren't kids off the streets though these were young people who were trying to get into the music industry either in, in getting involved in radio or some of them wanted to be artist managers or and etc etc et but you know i certainly learned from that and, and it enabled me to just even just even to be in and around radio one with a with a, a, a visitor pass was a cool thing when i was at uni and even cooler that I'd be in the union bar and somebody would go, were you on Radio 1 this morning? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I was actually. And they were like, wow, man, how, how come you were on Radio 1? Oh, you know, I'm just so, oh, I spoke to the DJ, blah, blah, blah. So I kind of learned the, the art of blag, really, David. This is the, the ability to, to sort of ask a question and see if you can kind of achieve something by asking a question. I kind of learned quite early, if you don't ask... Then, then the answer will always be no. But if you if you ask, well, it just might possibly be yes. Um, how, so, how do you deal with being turned down, rejected? Um, I think that's part of that's just part of the 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 equation. Um, so if somebody says no, there isn't an opportunity, or if you apply for a job or whatever, you send off your CV and you you don't hear anything back i think now you have to go okay that's just the way it is i've sent 10 letters off and i got one reply and it's just something that you have to be accepting of it's not somebody who is choosing to to ignore you because they've got a problem with you it's it's people are busy they were busy then now they're even busier obviously there's a deluge of communication that 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 floods in to many people these days, often more than they can handle. So unless you are calling with the right thing at the right time, you, you may well not hear back. Um, which is why, funnily enough, there are actually a, a, there are a couple of techniques that, that people who are looking to move into the industry can use. One is rather than just asking like, hey, have you got a job for me? Have you got any internships going, for example? The approach can be, hey, I live in Southampton. There's a really cool band down here. I know that you run a record label and you sign cool bands. I, I wondered if you'd heard of this band. Might be up your street, maybe not. Just thought I'd tip them off in case they were of interest. In that case, you're not asking for anything. You're saying, hey, I've got something to offer you. Maybe I can do something that's of interest to you. 
And then maybe if that interaction happens, maybe, maybe you hear back, maybe you don't. But if you do, it might be a, oh, thanks, checked it out. Oh, it's interesting, you know, keep the radar up. And then, then you're in a bit of a a bit of dialogue. So I kind of also learned that during my uni years at Goldsmiths College when I was working um, sort of on the social committee, kind of being involved in booking DJs and myself and my buddies ran a club night uh, above a pub as well. And what that meant was that I could call up DJ booking agents and go, yeah, hi, I run a club. It's in South East London. We don't have much money available for guest DJs, but I'm just wondering who might be available, what sort of prices. And then you're into a, a sort of business to business type conversation with a booking agent rather than your first encounter basically being, hey, I'm a student, have you got any jobs at your booking agency? And I know I know, certainly one very successful agent who became an agent by, through the route of being a promoter. So she previously was promoting gigs, booked lots of DJs from the agency, got to know them, they were working with her, um, and then when a slot emerged for a, a, a trainee, essentially, at the agency, I think they thought, oh, that person will be good. We like them. We work with them anyway. And that person moved into being an agent. And that was their route in. Um, and, and I've had quite a lot of experience of, of this sort of thing. And one of my kind of most notable experiences in, in sort of knocking on a door and seeing what happens uh, was when I was working in uh, America and this was between my second and third year of university and I got uh, the Work America work permit which is available for young people under 26 and uh, often people who get this work permit will work as uh, you know on a, a sort of kids camp type thing you know as a tennis coach or uh, helping doing art and craft activi activities or whatever it might be, uh, which wasn't my cup of tea. So um, I decided I would just work, try and find a regular job. And, and I got to New York, um, I'd have been 19, and I got a job as a cinema usher um, in Queens. So I had to wear a, like a dicky bow and, um, and sort of white gloves and tickets, please, and cleaning up the popcorn spill or whatever it might be. Um, but I was in New York and I thought, um, while I'm here, wouldn't it be amazing if I could somehow work at a record label or a radio station, something like that? And I'd sent off a few um, letters in advance to places asking if they had anything and nobody replied to me. So I thought, oh, I wonder what I can do to sort of op see if I can open a door here. And, and I came up with the idea, just a bit of a harebrained scheme. I thought, hmm, what if I call up... A radio station and say hey I'm a journalist from London and I'm writing an article on New York radio um, and I'd like to interview the head of the station I wonder if that might work it was just an idea I thought it probably won't but let's give it a go so I phone up WBLS which is New York's leading black music station at the time and I'm on the phone yeah hi, I'm a journalist from the UK I'm writing an article new on New York radio wonder if I could interview Mr Kirkland head of the station and the person answering said oh you know let me take your details not sure phone goes down and I thought that's probably would be the end of it about five minutes later phone rings yeah Mr Kirkland he'd be delighted to meet a journalist from the UK so can you come in tomorrow 10 o'clock I was like yeah yeah sure okay fine put the phone down then I'm like oh my god I haven't got any questions I didn't know what I was I wasn't actually writing 
an inter- I wasn't planning to do any interviews or write an article, but then all of a sudden I've got an interview with the key guy, so now I need to get some questions together. So I was scrabbling around, yeah, just making up questions, I guess, um, and listening to radio stations and, and all the rest of it, uh, hoping to get something together. Got some questions together, went into the, the station the next morning, did the interview, um, and then was shown around the, the station, and the lady who ran the programming department said, so yeah, you know, how long are you in New York? I said, oh, I'm here for a couple of months, I'm hoping to see if I can get an internship or something, and a record label or radio station, something like that, and she said, oh, okay, okay, and she said, um, so when do you have to be back? I said, oh, I'm, the Cinema Russia thing starts at 6pm, so I've got a few hours. She said, oh, okay, do you want to just help us with a few things here? I said, yeah, no, that'd be great. So she's like, can you file these records away? Can you uh, phone up these uh, local record stores and help compile a chart? This kind of thing. So I did that um, until the end of the day, and it, it, when it came time to leave, the lady said, uh, yeah, th- thanks very much. So... Um, same time tomorrow morning then? And I said, wow, if you have another day of work for me to do, oh, that would be amazing. And she said, hey, you're, you're our new intern. Basically, sort of you're hired. Um, if you, if you want to be an intern, it, you know, here, you've got the gig. So I was like, wow. And that was amazing because I didn't even know that I was being tried out, um, you know, yeah. trialled, if you like, um, for that. And so that was how I got an internship uh, at WBLS in New York and... Then, you know, I was just in. Um, So every day I'm at the radio station meeting record radio pluggers and all this kind of stuff. And uh, I had one pivotal moment uh, that happened um, a few weeks later when the uh, epic radio plugger came in. He said, hey, we've got a new Michael Jackson album. There's going to be like the world launch party. Um, It's on a yacht. It's going to go around Manhattan. Who wants to come? I was in the I was in the sort of programming office with two, about three or four other people, and I sort of very sh- I thought, is it okay for me to ask? I very sheepishly sort of put my hand up, very gently, kind of looking at the other people to see if it, if it was okay for me to do this. He said, Ah, you're a good kid. Yeah, you can come. Gives me the invite. And so some weeks later, I was on this sort of Roman Abramovich type mega yacht, kind of going around Manhattan caviar champagne and all this business and uh, and and at that moment um david i thought to myself wow i really shouldn't be here because i remember i was still a uni student i'm like i'm a uni student i'm they don't need me at this one of the biggest kind of launch events in the world i can't i was like i sort of shouldn't be here but i am and then but i could kind of track back the steps to how i got there of course it was i wouldn't have got there if i wasn't interning at wbls and I wouldn't have been interning at BLS if I hadn't done the little blaggy interview thing that I told you about. And so it sort of tracks back. And at that point, I thought, well, this is mad that I'm here. I shouldn't be. But what? I wonder if this means that in the future, some other mad stuff that shouldn't really happen to me might happen to me. Like maybe at some point I will get a job at a record label or sign a hit record or find a band that does well or even have a hit myself or whatever it might be maybe those things could be possible they don't seem very possible but then again this seems this is nobody would think that i'd be standing here on this yacht going around manhattan with all of the cream of the new york record industry and so 
And yeah, so that was an interesting moment. And then funnily enough, all of the things that the mad stuff that I thought could happen, funnily enough, did happen in years to come. You, your life is so full of different things at the moment. You know, you, you, you manage artists, you are an artist, you produce, you remix, you a and I'm almost running out of words. You do club nights, you're a DJ, you do radio shows, you do podcasts, and you're a lecturer. How would you describe your job and what connects all of those things? Passion. Um, you know, in you know, a love for what I do. I try and find something that I love, something that I'm excited about, engaged with, um, something that I think has value, and I try and get involved with it um, in in a way that I can bring value to it, and that's basically it. So I think if 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 you want to be involved in the music industry um, and you see an opportunity to work with amazing talent, m- maybe it doesn't matter whether you're, you're engaging as a junior radio plugger or as a, um, a digital asset creator or, or helping out in admin in, in some respect or working at the booking agency. The more important thing is that you are that you have an involvement with an artist that is doing great things. Um, and then kind of like once you're in uh, the industry, I think it's a lot easier to to kind of manoeuvre around within it once you're in. I think the hardest thing for people who, who are outside of the industry is maybe getting those first important breaks so that they get in. Um, that can be harder than staying in um um you know and having success once you've managed to break through so the so the stuff that we talked about before is is very important i think the how the you know how do you get those entry points and 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 there are multiple ways that people can procure kind of entry routes if you like into the industry i talked about booking um, sort of DJs and that maybe providing a route into um, knowing people at, at booking agencies or management companies. But there's there's other ways. There, there's the, the world is is very interconnected at the moment. And so something I did when I came back from New York was I was the UK rep for a, a New York dance uh, label called Easy Street. And, I, and they would send me white label promos over and then I would go around to records. Uh, so I'd go around to record labels saying, hey, I'm the UK rep for e- Easy Street. Here's some of the new music. Might you be interested in, in signing that? And uh, those record labels would go, God, this is a bit unusual. You're, how, how come you're doing this? And I would say, oh, because I worked at WBLS in the summer. And then I'd explain the backstory and they would become kind of like informal interviews but right now even with the pandemic and the way things are there still is an there there still is a comparable opportunity if you're into death metal and you love a band from finland or some guys from estonia contact them and go hey i'm here in the uk you love your band brilliant do you need anybody in the uk to help try and get you some uk based press or radio um, if so, maybe I can I can assist with that. Now, the band in Finland or, or the Ukraine might say, no, we don't need you, we do our own thing. Or they might just go, well, that's interesting, what have we got to lose? Okay, see what you can find. And then maybe 
you, you, you speak to a few blogs and you go, hey, I've got an interview with a student magazine here or I've got a, you know, a, a death metal blog that's run in Brighton and I was speaking to the guy who runs it and he's up for doing a piece. And, you know, the, the, these kind of things can still happen um, in, the, in the world as it is today. Just they're, they're kind of a sort of, um, a, a sort of online connectedness is, is obviously very much present at the moment and so there are opportunities and in the same way that maybe when you or I were I don't know did, did you go to university David yeah yeah I went to UEA the University you... of Easy Access because everyone <laughs> got there through clearance yeah. <laughs> so I you'll, loved it. You, yeah that's that's cool you'll remember you'll remember when when you were at, at sort of uni sometimes you would um you know just being in certain environments would would open up interesting conversations right you'd be at a particular party here or a gig there or in a in a record store there and you'd be having interesting music orientated conversations i imagine and and, um the same thing can happen now obviously it's just generally more online so put if you are interested in getting involved in a certain area put yourself into those conversation spaces where things are happening if you like dance music and you're really into house then be on those twitch forums and maybe you know offer your services as a moderator to a dj or whatever if you like what they do hang out there and and help and and post related content when your favorite dj is is playing and they'll get to know you they'll know that you support what they do and it can open doors and maybe they'll say hey maybe you can help with this that or the other and you're in and you're off and you're rolling so so there's an important lesson for me and it's it's put yourself in environments where good and and interesting things can happen so if you stay home um and all and what you do all evening is just watch some show on some some thing on netflix or whatever for for five hours then it may have been interesting and entertaining but there's been no interaction there if you spend three hours on twitch in and around the ecosystem of artists performing live and djs etc interacting meeting people chatting to people you're doing something proactive you're putting yourself in environments where interesting things can happen and and that's a really important thing to do yeah can, can i can we switch the conversation a little bit to looking at artists because you work with a lot of artists don't you to de- develop them you've obviously most famously you signed uh, the prodigy and worked with them yeah. and continue yeah. to work with with liam how do you work with young artists how do you find them yeah um well i would say that that in terms of finding young artists um i uh w- i take the view that that passionate engaged young artists will probably be creating some of their own momentum they won't just be hoping for other people to create momentum for them so lots of artists now will have something out on on soundcloud or or they'll have some youtube stuff going on or they've got some self-release bits and pieces and they'll be building a story before they even approach a manager or a record label um and that's a good thing i i think when an an art if an artist approached me and said i've done you know i've got three tracks but i've not really i've not finished them i've not put anything 
anywhere. I've not done anything other than emailing you, Nick. I would, I mean, it's cool, but, you know, nine times out of ten, I'd probably say, cool, why don't you get a bit of, bit of momentum rolling, do some stuff, see if you can start to get a bit of traction going, because obviously it's not just about talent. Uh, talent is important, but uh, I'm looking for a work ethic as well as the talent, and I'm looking for artists who who will apply themselves in a in a smart way to move their career forwards and so i'm interested in working with artists who i think are going to be successful whether or not i'm involved so the ideal artist for me to start managing now as an as an artist manager or perhaps uh, get involved in 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 publishing them as a writer because I've got a, a joint venture publishing um, business with Centric um, that got announced fairly recently um, and um, doing some work on that. If I encounter a, a, a writer or a or an artist, performer, whatever it is, I want to think this person's going to be successful with or without me. They're yes. just they're gonna they're gonna be a success. Then I'm thinking what I'd like is is if I believe in what they're doing, I, I'm thinking, I wonder if I can add extra value to help them achieve what they want to achieve. Um, and I, I want to help them to get where they want to get to. That's the kind of artist I'm looking for. It's the opposite, really, of some of the artists that turn up on the TV talent shows where they just like, yeah, I can do soul, I can sing country, I can sing rock. What do you want? I can do it. And, I, you know, I've had those kind of meetings as a manager and previously at XL or, or at Positiva or Incentive as, as record labels where artists will come in and they'll go, hey, I can do all of this different stuff. What are you looking for? And that's actually not a great approach with me. So instead of me saying, hey, what I'm looking for is this, can you do it? I actually say to the artist, "You no, it shouldn't go that way around. What what should be happening is that you're the artist. Tell me where you're going. What, what Broadly, what sort of artist do you think you are? What sort of music you want to make? And then I can tell you if I can help you. Rather than you modelling your... Um, your your music proposition on what some guy in some office says that he's looking for on that particular day. I mean, I mean, I'm not expecting um, it, it to be a fully formed vision. I think that would be asking too much, uh, particularly if it's a young artist, you know, and you're meeting an artist who's 17 years old. They're not going to have it all sussed out uh, uh, by that point. But I'd like them to have a have a decent goal in mind and 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 i think I'd, I'd like them to know that that they see themselves closer to mark bolan or Jimi hendrix than to some mor uh guy um yeah so i'm looking for some vision i'm looking for talent a work ethic and an application and it, that it's quite a lot um, to be looking for, but then again, there's an awful lot of competition. So, and 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 it's not the case that simply being great at producing music or singing or whatever will get you there. Because I've worked with producers over the years who are brilliant producers, but maybe they really struggle to finish a record. So they they what well, you know this music they're making is great, 
but as a manager it's it can be almost impossible to to get that music out of them and, and work on it because because you're like it's good to go let me shop that to some record labels now it's fine to which the artist might reply no no not yet no no i just need to you know i need to get the hi-hat sounding a bit better i need to tweak the bass a bit more six months later are we ready to go no i just i just think you know i think the riff could be a bit stronger and then and then these artists, some some of them will miss their moment because the time that they go, right, I'm ready now, things have moved on. And it's like that game of football that we were trying to play before the final whistle's gone and everybody's left and they've all gone somewhere else. And now you're going, yeah, let's put the ball on the pitch. I'm ready. It's too late. I guess that's a, that's always a bit of a dilemma for creative people, isn't it? That you, you want to get your stuff out to share it and to show it off. So that's probably putting something up on SoundCloud. But equally, you're going to reveal your hand before it's before it's ready. I mean, you can you talk to that a bit when you're when you're looking in at the world of some, you know a creative person and you're looking at their music and listening to the music. You're not expecting it to be 100% nailed on. I'm guessing. No, I mean for some artists, it is never ready. I mean, I know one writer performer, um, and I've known him for decades, and he's still talking about maybe putting out his first proper record i mean literally multiple decades this person it, for them clearly it's never the right time it's never good enough and the decades go by i mean it's an extreme example but i do know one artist who's in that category there's a lot to be said for putting out music that is great is it perfect no is it is it is it absolutely mind-blowingly phenomenally fantastic no but is it is it good is it going to move your career forward is it, is it a positive step forward yes well let's take a step forward then um and i think if the you role... don't put anything out nobody's going to find you no and, yeah. and i think the role of of managers and record labels publishers etc is often to say to those artists now is a good time to do this to move things forward and sometimes an artist manager can have a clearer perspective of of what is the right move for the artist than the artist themselves because the artist is so in the thick of it they they may not have the the, the clarity they're just like they're just in their own world manager step removed probably dealing with some other artists as well a bit more of an overview yeah, it's good. It's good. Let's move forward. Then, of course, the question is, will the artist take that advice on board positively and go, OK, I'm cool with it. I think it sounds good. You think it's good. Let's move forward. That's a great relationship and a great way to move. Or will the artist, you know, not um, respond in that way? Obviously, some artists never even get to the point of ever having a manager or a record label uh, or a publisher or, or a team around them because they're never quite comfortable enough to make those choices. They meet somebody, meet a few people, potential managers, eh, none of them quite right, okay. And then maybe they meet some publishers, eh, none of them quite right, and, and so it goes on. And, but you, I, I think that there is a commonality to most successful artists out there um and i believe that most of them have strong teams around them david um mm. that you know there's very few 
really successful artists who don't have a strong team. So that tells you something. Try and get a strong team around you if you're an artist um, and, you know, build that team. Um, so maybe as an early stage, you can't get a proper manager involved, but you can get one or two local promoters who are supporters on board and, and supportive of you. Great. Cultivate those relationships. Try and turn them into situations where you play for those promoters every two to three months and you build a bit of a plan with them um, rather than just taking the odd one-off gig and moving on. Try and let those local promoters be sort of part of your your team. And funnily enough, what might happen is if things start to blow up, then maybe one of those local promoters actually does end up becoming your manager because there's some really good stuff happening and you're just calling the people you know going, I've got this record label on the phone. Uh, what do you think I should do? And then maybe that local promoter will go, well, do you want me to call them and, and, and sound it out? And the artist might go, yeah, that'd be really a help. And those kind of chants, um, sort of, well, not chants is the wrong word, but those kind of loose structures, if you like, can sometimes move into something uh, firmer when momentum starts to build. When you're when you're looking at an artist, you, you've listed a number of characteristics, and an artist could be, you know, uh, networking, as you're saying, building up allies, beginning to put a team together. I guess you react to the music emotionally and and, and head and heart and all of that. Do you, do you look at do you look at data at all? Followers and streams and SoundCloud plays and and do, how, how do you deal with data? I I think that you should look at any information that's available uh, to help you make decisions. So if you're looking at two artists and you're considering taking them both on, but maybe you've only got the time um, and, and spare resource to take on one of the two, you'd be foolish. You know, if one had great socials momentum and had, was really smashing it with a strong and engaged following and the other one had nothing you'd be foolish if you didn't take that into consideration and and also of course those things are going to be taken into consideration by record labels publishers the, the kind of people that you that you're going to all other artists co-writers they're going to be taken into press so it goes on they're going to be taken into consideration by other people in the ecosystem so i think yes have a look at that but i can't i take the view that that the music should come first it's possible to build up a socials following and not really have a, a great music proposition so really Maybe it's some other stuff that, that the artist is doing rather than the music that's cultivating the, the socials, and that can be cool. But you want the music to be great, really. If you want to have a long-term artist, you want an artist that is making great, connective music. Um, and so I think if you've got the music bit right, it should be possible to, to get a bunch of the other stuff around it right. Um, it's a bit like, in a way, when it comes to songwriting, for example, if you've got a killer chorus, you can always, you, you can pretty much always get the verses sorted, get the production sorted, and, and get a 
get a good sounding record because at its heart there's a really killer chorus so you can build out from that and with with artists i'm looking to work with people who have a really good strong music offering which is which is at its heart compelling interesting exciting dynamic i need to be excited so that i can share my excitement with other people in the industry um so i go to let's say it's a, a young artist and i become the, their manager i need to be excited so that then i can say to potential record labels honestly you've got to check this out it's brilliant this kid is so good listen to this it's fantastic and then you hope that that you find people who go yeah i agree it is and then the junior a and r person who's heard it plays it to the press person and goes have you heard this i'm thinking of signing it i think it's brilliant what do you think and the press person goes yeah yeah no it is good isn't it and then you get a bit of a chain reaction going on and and when we were both um working at emi I'm, I'm sure you probably could see those sort of chain reactions happening in and around the company right where where it just saw something would be spreading where uh, you know an artist has come in and the press are really into it and then the international department get really excited and all of a sudden you've got a momentum and you've got a lot of people on your side and that's that's what it's all about um really um so so yeah i'm looking for them for the music to be great and then everything else that yeah that i've talked about previously well i think the artists um smart artists realize that they need they need supporters they need people who are on their side and um you never know um where somebody is going to end up so um it's possible that the the person who's a, an admin assistant who's stuffing stuffing packages or whatever um may in five years time be the radio one plugger in 10 years time might be the head of marketing and promotion 15 years time might be the managing director that's the sort of thing that happens so being a being a dick to that person just because they they happen to be a young kid who's who's stuff in packages and is not a wise move on on the part of the artist the smart artists know they need they need people on on side um and there there's definitely ways to to uh to cultivate that like you said it, the, when going in physically into a building um and meeting people that's one way of doing it and again online socials wise maybe if you're an artist these days then you hear something from another artist that you like yeah pay them that compliment go hey heard your new mixtape I, I thought it was brilliant I love the new track just give show a bit of support online um why not is there any downside to it no just do it and then who knows maybe in three years time you will be closer to being able to write with that artist and who knows maybe at that point they go yeah no i know i know you i i remember i remember you you messaging me multiple times over the last few years yeah no i'm i'm aware you know you've done you've done what well. that sort of thing happens um, and like I said, it's it's just trying to avoid the the opening gambit being knock knock. What have you got for me? What can I get? Have you got a job? It you know there's other ways of 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 making the the initial 
um, approach that can can work more positively than that. It's certainly the case that every manager will have had this conversation where they go to an artist, you can do A or B. As, as your manager, I think B is probably the, the best route to go. But if you want to go A, that's cool. We'll go A. And, and I'll be behind you, supporting you all the way to get the best out of, of route A. Um, even though I maybe didn't think it was the best thing, but I, I get it. I get why you want to go route A rather than B, and that's cool. So funnily enough, as managers, we're used to having those sort of conversations, but but they, you know, they rely on on an artist going. This is this is where I want to go. This this is what what I feel is right for me, um, and having an opinion. I mean, artists do need. They need opinions. Um, no, I don't think there's any massively successful artist um, who remains successful over uh, a, p- a period of years if if they if they're too scared to put their head above the parapet and, and have an opinion on something. Artists need to go either. I think that song. I really think it's right. I really think we should be doing it. I really believe in it. I like to hear that from an artist. I like to hear a bit of con- conviction. Um, it, you know, deferring the, all of the important calls to, oh, let's leave that up to the label, or let's leave it up to my manager, leave it up to somebody else. Then suddenly maybe you've got a bit of a committee, you've got six votes, three people saying we should be doing that, three, some, four saying something else. doesn't necessarily, you know, lead to great momentum sometimes it you know a good tight team um what do you think about this yeah i think that's good should we do it yeah yeah that's good that's good let's do it and then you move forward and it won't be to everybody's tastes i tell you what when virtually anything any new record that i'm involved in with any artist i work with when that record goes online there is a range of opinion there's always somebody going, yeah, not really feeling it. That's just inevitable. You know, you never get literally every single comment being positive. There's always people going, "Eh, not as good as this, and, oh, I'd like to hear it more like that, more like the other. And you will go crazy if you try and... If you're an artist and you try and run your life based around pleasing all the people who post let's say on your socials you'll just end up banging your head against the wall it's a, an unwinnable sort of um agenda so you have to know what you want to do and you have to be brave enough to go yeah i believe in it and, it, and it's fine and if some of my fans go hmm not really my favorite record or not personally the the thing that i i love the most from this artist fine let them let them say that but have some conviction, move things forward. That's that's what artists need to do. I also think, you know, almost all the records that I love the most, nearly all of them, I was slightly disappointed when I first heard them because they weren't quite what I was expecting. So I think listening to somebody's first reaction to your work, you need a big pinch of salt for that. I mean, one thing that's an interesting um, sort of observation on the music industry is that often people don't know what they want anyway um, in life and I've, I've often I often think about this that if if the major record labels had commissioned some kind of big survey asking 
10,000 um, music consumers. Yeah, what sort of artist do you want? We're going to sign a new male artist. Um, what do you want? I mean, how many people would go, yeah, I, I think a ginger, ginger would be good. Oh, really? You want a ginger hair dice? Yeah, yeah, you know, need a ginger. Okay. Um, and I want him to sort of rap a bit. Oh, right. So you want a, a, a rapper? Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, but I want him to sing as well. Oh, sing around. You know, and he should play the guitar. Right. Oh, really? This is what... Acoustic guitar, you know, and, and I'd really like him to come from Suffolk. Wow, a ginger-haired kid from Suffolk, that's what you want. Nobody's going to say that. But along came Ed Sheeran and people said, yes, that's actually what I want. So obviously what that tells us is that the, the job of the industry often is to invest in something that the public doesn't even know that they want yet in the hopes that when they hear it and see it, they go, yes, that is actually something that I want and something that I need in my life. Although I didn't realise that I needed it and wanted it until now I've seen it and heard it. But you're, you're, you're taking that gamble um, as, as somebody at a record label, publisher, manager, whatever, into, you're, you're trying to find something that people don't even know that they want yet, potentially. It's quite interesting. It is. I think that's a fantastic point to bring the conversation to a conclusion. I've got one question that I, I've been asking at the end of these things, which was, have you noticed anything from dealing with successful musicians, which you obviously do a lot? Um, and I'm thinking more behavioural habits, good habits that they have that up and coming musicians could learn from and benefit from. Yeah, I think that that, that some of the really great successful um artists out there um keep asking questions uh, and they keep pushing so even if they feel that they've done really good work i've had a few conversations with 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 successful artists where even though they feel that they've done really good work if it's somebody that they trust whose opinion they value they'll go can it improve and then maybe I will go, well, I, there's only a tiny little thing. I mean, it may, may hardly be worth mentioning. And then the artist will go, no, 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 let, let's hear it. And I'll go, well, maybe when it comes out of the chorus into the, 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 the shouldn't that riff come a bit earlier? Hmm, interesting. Okay, let me think about that. So it's a sort of a push on a quest, basically, on the part of the artist to always be looking, how can I squeeze an extra 1%, half percent, quarter of a percent out of this to make it the best possible uh, record? Um, and uh, that's an attitude that is definitely a useful attitude um, to have um, for, for emerging, developing artists to have, um, to just keep keep asking questions, keep learning, and keep trying to figure out, is there, is there just a little incremental gain? Um, you know, across video, um, music, production, songwriting, all the different aspects, you know, can one improve a certain area by 2% and another area by a half, another area by a third of a percent, and then two months later, can we get that improved by another percentage there, whatever, little small incremental gains in different areas, and then add that all up over a period of years, and then and then you might have a, an excellent 
um, proposition and resilience as well. So the 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 the, the successful artists, writers, etc., they have a resilience to them um, where they keep they keep at it, they keep showing up, they keep working. Um, um, I've had this conversation with. Uh, well, I asked Niall Rogers, for example, what does he do when he, he he finds himself in a bit of a phase where things aren't going as well creatively as, as he would hope? And he said, hey, you just, you know, keep collaborating, keep working on it, keep showing up. Basically, a sort of keep keep turning up. And 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 if you if you do work day after day after day at some point, the magic will will return and you don't know when that magic is going to happen mm. necessarily but it won't happen if if you're not creating and throwing down crazy ideas and you know sometimes artists go this this is a bit nuts what if i sampled that but instead of doing that i reverse it and i'll bring that this sounds a bit mental it could be a very bad idea what should you do try out what could be a crazy bad idea and let's see and maybe it does sound rubbish that's fine but but maybe within that process of doing something that ended up sounding a bit off something else emerged which was really good because sometimes the gems of songwriting come from something else you could write a song today and it might have a, a bridge that's really good but the chorus isn't good enough and the verses aren't good enough but that's fine so as a song today's song is not good enough to come out but remember it's got a really good bridge so what happens if you're writing another song in two weeks time and you need a bridge ah what about that really good thing that we did three weeks ago yeah let's take that out of there let's try to see what happens if we slot it in there Ooh, that's good you know what i mean the but the the the, the that process required multiple bits of work across yeah. multiple sessions, multiple days to get to the end result. And sometimes you just, yeah, be accepting. If today is a day where, where the song is not that good, that's fine. It probably helps you get somewhere else. And that's a little bit like life in a bigger sense, where we have to be thankful for small positives that happen on a daily basis. And yeah, a bunch of stuff that we've encountered on a, on any given day might be disappointing, frustrating, bad news, etc. But there's usually something in in any day that is useful to us uh, and that could be helpful to us and maybe positive to other people. And that's the stuff that we've we've got to be thankful for. I, I just want to say thank you so much. I think that was a fantastically interesting, informed, useful interview. Um, and I can't wait to get it out there and for people to listen to it. Thank you so much, and thank you for spending your time with me. Cheers. That's, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it, David. I'll speak to you soon, my friend. Would you be interested in an overview of how the music industry really works? If so, I've put together a mini course called Learn How the Music Industry Works in just 25 minutes. And guess what? It explains how the industry works and takes about 25 minutes to listen to or read. If you'd find this helpful, go to gigami.co, that is G-I-G-O-M-I dot C-O. Click on the Start Here button. It will take you to a sign-up page. Please sign up and we will deliver the mini course to you completely free of charge. 
thank you to all of my guests who've taken the time to talk with me, and thank you for listening. I'd also like to thank Miles D, who has written and recorded the Gigami theme music. And as ever, if you've been affected by any of the issues raised in this episode, if you have any questions, or if you just want to get in touch with me, go to gigami.co. That is G-I-G-O-M-I dot C-O. Thanks again for listening. See you next time. <laughs>